Lord, I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. Today we're uh, studying the book of Galatians, rather the letter to the uh, churches in Galatia, uh, back when Paul wrote the letter to them. But I tell you, uh, what I'm studying in this Bible is more relevant today, uh, as relevant today that, that it's ever been in the past, because the problems they were having that caused them to write this letter have only swollen up and become much worse than even was going on then. Same thing, but just uh, more, more of it all over the world. Before we dig in today, I just want to remind you, We've got this little book I wrote last year, over the last couple of years, All God's Works Are Done in Truth. That means God only works in truth, and you need to understand that's derived from Psalms 33-4 in your Bible. For the word of the Lord is right, and all of His works are done in truth. And when you come to understand that Jesus and what He did at the cross is what makes Him that truth for you and that God will work in, I guarantee if the Bible will begin to make much more sense and the Holy Spirit will be able to give you much more clarity in the Word of God. One other thing, and then uh, we'll move on. This latest, uh, I believe it was 12 CD series that we uh, uh, messages that we preached on the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I tell you, you need to understand this. Yes, it's okay that you don't understand everything, but the more you do understand, the more you're going to grow in the Word of Righteousness. And this will help that take place as faith will come when you hear the Word of God. And when faith comes, faith always overcomes and causes us to grow and, and to be found in the will of God. Amen. Well, this is the 23rd day of March. 2018. This is our 20th session in the book of Galatians. Uh, this is our physical address here in Queen City, 610 Highway 59, Queen City, Texas, 75572. For those of you who mail in offerings or would like to write the ministry, that's the address. And the website is thecrosswaychurch.com. For those of you who give online or uh, just comment or whatever you do, we thank God. My email is curtishutchinson at att.net. My YouTube channel is curtishutchinson 360 all these messages and teaching sessions other than uh, what you're aware of are also on that YouTube channel. So I encourage you to go there, listen to our preaching services. And, and uh, I'm teaching right now in the book of Romans. That's on the YouTube channel. And I encourage you to avail yourself of that if you're one of those people that love the Lord, love the truth, and want to learn the Word of God. And I promise you that will take place. One last thing. Tomorrow we're having a bake sale at Walmart here in Atlanta, and uh, it is for the purpose of raising funds to mail expositor study Bibles into the inmates all across the land. In the last three and a half years, we've mailed over 600 Bibles and to inmates, expositor study Bibles, the same as if you would order you one online. It's the same Bible. It's nothing different. It's the same exact Bible that we have. And so we're raising funds tomorrow that, and everybody that shows up at Walmart that gives uh, $20 or more will get a free copy of my book that I wrote. And I just want to encourage you to go by, if you live anywhere in Atlanta, Queen City, over here in Atlanta area, go by Walmart and uh, help us get 
these expositor study Bibles into the inmates all across the land. I have a stack of letters. I got four yesterday. And some days we get four, but almost every day we get at least a letter from an inmate somewhere in new prisons all the time because they move inmates around. And so uh, I'm just asking for your help in this. And uh, let's take Jesus inside the prison system. Praise God. Let's mo- this morning, before we dig into the Word, as always, let's ask the Lord to give us a greater revelation of His Son, Jesus Christ, than we've ever had before so that we can know our Heavenly Father better than we ever have before. Father, in the name of Your Son, Jesus, we stand here with Bibles before us. God, we ask for that daily bread today that would reveal the One who is our daily bread, Your Son, Jesus Christ, that You sent, Lord, to give on that old rugged cross, that sin offering for us, that atoning sacrifice, Lord, that substitutionary work in our place He died, that we might be able to partake of Him, eating His flesh, drinking His blood by faith in that sacrifice, and that we might know You, and that we might walk with You and and find Your will in our lives. Lord, help us today to see Jesus in a more clear way, and we thank You for it all. In His name we pray, amen. Praise God. Well, in the uh, letter to the Galatian churches, last week we left off with verse 18, so I believe we will start there this morning, but before we do, let's just kind of catch up for those just jumping in in the middle of the study. Uh, We began November the 3rd, I believe it was, the endeavor of teaching this great letter to the Galatian churches and the church today. And uh, so back up, go go into the YouTube channel and, and listen to all of them and, and have your own little Bible study with the Lord as you listen and take notes and, and whatever it is you need to do and, and, and make notes in your Bible and, and learn the Word of God. Learn to walk in the truth and God will surely bless you. But what's going on in this particular portion of Scripture is Peter was visiting Antioch. And Barnabas was there, and other Christian, uh, Jew, Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians were all enjoying the liberty, becoming the one that God had intended all the time. And so uh, what happens is some Judaizers, or maybe not Judaizers, maybe, apparently they were, uh, but they came from James's church in Jerusalem. And when they got there, Peter was feasting with the Gentiles, and he saw them coming, and he jumped up and left the Gentiles and went back under law. Yes, that's exactly right. That's what he did. He went back under law. Fear moved him away from the Gentiles who he was there to fellowship with in his faith in Christ and freedom in Christ. And when he saw the the Judaizers, those men from James's church coming in Jerusalem, he jumped up, the Bible says, with fear and got away from the Gentiles. He he jumped right into a big boat of hypocrisy and uh, valuing these men, esteeming them above the Gentiles. And it was a time of uh, uh, transition and, and, and it was a hard time. But yet, if Paul could see it, then anybody was going to be able to see it if they were receiving the gospel. And uh, so, this is what's happening. So, Paul has to rebuke Peter face to face. The Bible says, before them all. So, he's giving his, his lecture here, his, his, his ministry to Paul, to his face, so all could hear. And, he's, and he gets down here and he says in verse 18, For if I build again the things which I destroyed, and he's talking about the law. 
He's talking about the law. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. And when he says here that he, he's destroyed, build again the things he destroyed, and he's concerning the law, he's not talking about he just ripped it up and destroyed it and, and got completely rid of the law. He means, and when you look the word destroy up, it, it means to loosen, to dissolve, or to tear down, but but it doesn't mean just absolutely remove it. It's gone. It's no. It listen. We need something. We need to understand about the law. We the law cannot make you righteous. The law has a standard that that's not been gotten rid of. But the system of the law is gone for those who believe in Christ, and it won't work for those who don't. It won't work for anybody. The law won't work to make you righteous. It won't work to keep you in relationship with God. Only Christ can do that. That's why He came, and we'll see scriptures concerning that in just a few moments. But I want to make sure we understand when He says He destroyed the law. It doesn't mean that he just wadded it up and threw it away. No, the law still has uh, its, its, uh, its, its place of uh, purpose, but it can't make you righteous. And, and you can't be saved by it. You can't be sanctified by it. it, it Christ is our salvation. Christ is our sanctification. 1 Corinthians 1.30. He, he was made unto us redemption, righteousness, sanctification, uh, wisdom. Christ has become these things to us. So faith in Christ and His fulfillment of the law makes us law keepers. We can't keep the law. Christ said, you can do nothing without me. So when we see Paul saying, and it's very important you understand this, he didn't just say, I, I destroyed it and wadded it up, threw it away. He's, he's, he means, and what he's trying to teach Peter and, and the fellows there who are confused about this, if you go back under law, you become a sinner again. You walk in the place of sin. See, under law, there's only condemnation and death, and death is separation from God. Death is separation from God. I mean, that's what death is. People who die in their sins are separated from God forever. You and I were born into this world, everybody is, into sin. Separated from God, condemned already when we get here. We're separated from God. That's why we must be reconciled to God. And he did that through the offering of his son Jesus Christ so we could be reconciled to God because we're born separated. We're born spiritually dead. Death is separation. No matter how you look at it, if you go to a funeral, you look in a casket, there's a body. But there ain't no soul and spirit there. Why? Because there's been a death. A what? A separation. It happened in the garden. That's where it started. The day you eat of that tree, Adam, you shall surely die. You shall be separated from a body that will live forever. You'll be separated from the garden. You'll be separated from the tree of life. Most importantly, you'll be separated from me. You shall die. When you die, you're separated. And that's what happened. So what Paul is trying to get Peter and the, everybody there in that meeting to see is if you go back under law, you go back under condemnation whether you admit it or not. And the law is not the Ten Commandments only. The law is if I think I can say a phrase of words for deliverance from smoking or salvation or sanctification or, or, or anything from God, if I think I can say something or do something, I've made that a law. 
and I can't save myself. I can't sanctify myself. Nobody else can save me or sanctify me. Just the work of Christ on the cross and faith in that alone. Amen. I'm glad we see that today. So Paul says, if I'm going to build this again that I've already destroyed, that I've already loosed, I've been delivered from, I've torn this down only in the sense of that it makes one righteous because I've learned it can't. <laughs> when, when the, listen, <clears throat> when the commandment came, sin came alive, sin revived, and I died. Every time we try to live according to the law, and I, might, I don't want to be ugly today, but most preachers are living under the law because they're preaching, you've got to quit sinning, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to study, you've got to be in church, you've got to give, you've got to pray, you gotta, and that, they're exactly right, but they don't have the answer as to how to live for God. Oh, we know what to do, preacher, but how do I do it? Because I sure ain't wanting to. The flesh doesn't want to live for God. And so just telling people what to do, and then when they do ask you, you say, well, you just got to try harder. Or if you'll do these three things, or if you'll read this book and do what the book says, and it's just a bunch of if you'll do, then God will, and that's law. It doesn't have to be the Ten Commandments, the ceremonial and ritual things of ordinances of Israel. It can be you just deciding that you're going to do something and that's going to save you. Some people teach the doing of water baptism saves them. That They've made that a law and the law can't save. Water baptism cannot save you. If you get dipped in the water, it better be after you're saved or you're still lost because Christ and what he did at the cross is the only thing through your faith that can save you and sanctify and keep you until you finish the race. Praise God. So, but it's very important. You see here what he's saying to a people who this has just happened. And this is the way the Lord works. He moves in on our experiences. I hope uh, last Wednesday night, I, if, if you didn't hear that message, go back and listen to last Wednesday night's message. Uh, I mean, Jesus healed a blind man. The blind man went through being interrogated by the Pharisees, thrown out of the temple, and Jesus goes and finds him. And then he begins to teach about who the good shepherd is versus who the bad shepherd is. And that's what's happening here. Experiences in our life will always, the Lord will show up in our experiences to bring us back to the truth. That's what's happening here. Peter jumps up, gets away from the Gentiles, with all of a sudden this fear of the people coming from James's church, which is really a hypocritical thing. He's esteeming them higher than the Gentiles. I got to get away from these Gentile, the unclean Gentiles, because these clean Jewish people are coming. You know, and he'd been raised in that, and I understand the the flesh getting involved like that. But P Paul has to stand up and bring correction, a rebuke. There. And if we can't handle correction and rebuke, we're not going anywhere. We're going to stop and make the Lord stay right there with us. You remember when the Lord turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan? Most Christians today would stay right there. That, that's it. We're not going to. I hear you, Lord. I can't believe you call me Satan, but I, you know, I hear you. But, but, but we're not going to Jerusalem. When the Lord gives a rebuke, He's expecting change so that He can move you forward in the process of sanctification. And we need to understand that. That's why he didn't just let Paul stand there and say, oh, well, they'll get it someday, I hope. No, 
The Holy Spirit stirred Paul to stand to rebuke Peter, not in an ugly way, but just to tell him the truth. Why, you can't go back under law if you do. You're going to become a transgressor again. Do you understand that? All who are out there, even in ignorance, I speak from experience, even in ignorance, if I'm under the law or preaching law, and if, not, if I'm not preaching the cross, I'm preaching law. It's that simple. If I'm not relating the Word of God to Jesus, who is the living Word of God, and what He did on the cross to become my living Word of God, my bread of life, then I'm preaching law. And law is a ministry of death, and that's all that's going to be experienced there. We need to understand that. People who disagree with this would not have received the rebuke from Paul as Peter did. Thank God for Peter. Thank God for the Holy Spirit stirring Paul to rebuke and stirring Peter to understand at least a little bit to come out of that and to realize that, okay, okay, Paul, okay, okay, thank you. And, and that's exactly what happened because later Peter writes about Paul, uh, it relates Paul's writings, his epistles to maybe hard to understand, but some people are twisting them just like they do the other scriptures, Peter said, for their own destruction. So here, let's, don't, let's read this again. For if I build again, if I go back to the law and try to build off the law again, that, that which I destroy it, I make myself a transgressor. All I can do under law is transgress. Did you understand that? Uh, and, and I know we don't, we don't believe that for so long. We, we, most Christians are in that boat today. They're, they're living by laws. A new fad comes out, they try to live according to it. A new book is written, they try to do these things. And all these TV preachers get up there and tell you, if you'll just do these three things, God will, yeah, he will deliver you. If you'll just send in and buy this little bottle of, of water, if you'll do this, if you will do. And they don't point you to Calvary. In what Jesus did. See, and it's not about what we do. That's our righteousness trying to be attained. It's about what Jesus did. That's the only avenue of righteousness into our lives. Hallelujah. Praise God. He says in verse 19, For I, through the law, am dead. Dead to the law that I might live unto God. Did you get that? We, we had to die before we could live. We couldn't just start doing right to live. We had to die to be able to be born again because only as a born-again child of God can we live unto God. And that can't happen through the law. Nobody can obey the Ten Commandments. It, but listen to me clearly this morning. It can't happen through any law. And when somebody's laying a law out there before you that you've got to do this or that, even if it's something the Bible says to do, you cannot be saved through the doing. You cannot be saved through the doing. The difference between the, the letter of the law that kills and the spirit of the law that brings life is the cross. That, that's what the difference is. If I'm telling you the Bible says this, that you have to do this, like Mark 16 and 16 that tells us we, uh, you have to, uh, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believes not shall be damned. That's not talking about water baptism. If you're seeing the Scriptures by the Spirit. If you're seeing the Scriptures as just a letter of commandments and you're 
not living through faith in the cross, you're living according to law, then you're going to try to do everything the Bible says for righteousness sake instead of, instead of walking in obedience to the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. In a place we're not trying to obtain freedom, we've already been made free by the blood of Jesus. We're not trying to uh, clothe ourselves with the cloak of righteousness by doing things. We've already been clothed with His righteousness through our simple faith in the cross. Amen. Praise God. You can't work for it to be saved. You can't work for it to, 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 to experience the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. I'm glad Jesus did it all. I'm glad he did it all. I, I, I can't bring it about. All I can do is believe. And those who don't believe that are under law. And in the eyes of God, they're transgressors. They may be the child of God, saved at one time, born again, even baptized with the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues. But if they're back under the law of doing, they've become a transgressor again, under the law of are transgressors. The law only speaks to those who are under the law. Hallelujah. And let me say this again, very powerful. came out in my Romans teaching that I published yesterday, and it's on my YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. The difference between the letter of, the, of God's Word, the letter is that it kills, and the difference between the letter that kills and the letter of the Spirit that gives life is the cross. Everything you must... Everything you understand in God's Word is only going to be understood through your faith in the cross. I hope you're understanding that. Because the trying to do God's Word outside of the Spirit of God working through you, through your simple faith in the cross, you will be killed. Whether you realize it or not, and I know millions, millions have lived their entire lives as transgressing Christians transgressing Christians and they're totally shocked when they stand before the Lord they're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ when, when they're going to be told they lived their whole yes you got saved you were born again you had my spirit but you lived your entire life as a transgressor they thought they were the holiest ones in town they didn't cut their hair. They didn't wear pants. They didn't wear makeup. They thought they were more devout than anybody. But it was all based on what they were doing. Listen to that. God calls that transgression. And it's not that we just go home and sit on the couch and say, Well, I'm saved and that's it. Christ did it all. That's a fact. But there are many works, Ephesians 2.10, for us to walk in. But they're not works for salvation or works for sanctification. They're works because we've already been saved and sanctified, and now we're just learning to, to, to possess our vessels in sanctification and honor. Ah, praise God. If a believer returns to the law after trusting in Christ alone for salvation, that law would only demonstra demonstrate that he was a sinner. He's living as a sinner again. That's all that happens under law. When Peter jumped up and ran over there, he became a transgressor again. Did not say he lost his soul. He just became a transgressor. Under the law is transgression. Praise God. You need to know that. Listen, I'm going to give you three things. I've given them to you in the past. I'm going to give them to you again today. Romans 7, 5 says the law stirs up the sin nature. Think about that. The law stirs up, puts the sins in motion. The wording is, is there in, in Romans 7 and 5. 
I'll never forget when I begin to learn that, that rules and regulations that I make up to try to uh, uh, cloak, cloak myself with the righteousness of God or, or be sanctified, I'm only putting sin in motion. That's sin nature. You need to understand that. When I, as a preacher, at one time years ago, would give people a, a handful of things, if you'll just do this, this, and this, God will deliver you. Even it was the good thing. If you'll be in church every week, if you'll give tithes and offerings, if you'll study the Word of God, God will deliver you. Listen, I made the Word of God going to church and giving tithes and offerings, even though those are biblical things that Christians are found doing, and rightly so, by faith. They can't save, they can't deliver. And when I lay it out there as a law for opportunity of deliverance, I help stir up the sin nature. I help destroy those families. I hate to say it because I just put before them a way to keep sinning before God. Because under the law, any law is transgression. The law strengthens sin. That's any law. How, do, how does that work? And that's 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. The law strengthens sin. Not only do the Ten Commandments magnify sin in our lives and, and reveal a holy God, but any law strengthens sin. How, how can that be? The law, by doing this and doing if I'm doing it as a means of righteousness... Positionally or condition. I am righteous in Christ Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father. That's my position. But if I am trying to attain to that position in my condition here through my works, instead of simple faith in what He is for me, Jesus Christ, my righteousness, then I am going to find that that is sin. I'm going to say something here that you need to hear. If your faith is not in the cross, that's a sin. When your faith goes back to anything else, that's a sin. Faith not in the cross is a sin. Think about Cain. We always have to resort back to that story when even though God would not respect his sacrifice that he brought and would later even, because of his long-suffering and, and love for Cain, would go and, and say, Cain, you still have an opportunity to get this right. But Cain wouldn't. Well, God didn't say, well, okay, it, it'll be all right. No, he run him out, became a vagabond and a wonder. And his whole generation, his whole lineage, some 1,600 or about there about years later, were flooded and washed away. God doesn't play. God don't tell jokes. God, I hear people saying all the time, God's got a sense of humor. The only place I find in the Bible where God is laughing is at those who are in calamity who rejected him. Better be careful what we say about the Lord. God, our God is a serious God. He's a serious God. He's not a joking and game-playing God. And He has given us one way to experience that great and marvelous loving kindness, mercy and grace, forgiveness, justification, sanctification. But outside of that is no experience of God at all. And when we leave the sacrifice, even if it's deceitfully being deceived, which happens so subtly, I speak from experience, we go back and live as transgressors, even though we think we got it going on with God by all we're doing. 
and everybody in town, man, it appears we're this and we're that. We can quote Scripture, and man, we're in church every time the doors are open, and we've doing, and we've done, and we're going to do, and man, they're doing a lot for God, but their faith is not in the sacrifice. God looks at them as transgressors in their condition here on the earth. Now, I'm not saying that he's looking at you different in Christ because he, in Christ he sees you as righteous and holy and just and, and perfect and forgiven and his child and he loves you as much now as he always does. But our condition here can be totally different than our position. And that's one of the key reasons that this letter to the Galatians were written. Remember Galatians 1 and 6? I marvel that you have so soon removed yourself from the one that's called you into the grace of Christ. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Man, if you, if you go back to the Judaizers, you go, you go follow them and you get circumcised. What does that mean? That means you go back under the law as a transgressor. You've fallen from grace. You have to fall from grace as a child of God to go back under law. And that's what happens. When we move our faith from the cross to something we do, and that's just what Peter did. Fear gripped his heart. It, can, it happens to us now, periodically. If you say it doesn't, well, it's happening to you right now. <laughs> periodically, fear grips our hearts. And, 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 and we find ourselves in the same boat Peter was. But thank God, through what the Holy Spirit gave Paul, we can be rebuked with the same rebuke Peter received from the Lord through Paul. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for those men and women today who can receive the rebuke from the Lord and see many, many years of ministry in the past and, and all of a sudden wake up and say, my Lord, that was just me. That was just me. Paul had to do that. You know, for years I knew I was just preaching law. I was preaching works. Yes, I preached uh, and taught to be saved. You've got to go to Christ. You've got to believe in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But to live for God, I taught nothing but law. And it's still going on by mostly all of those that I was ever associated with. They don't know they're doing it. If they were to, come, if they were to like the Apostle Paul, count all their work preaching and teaching sessions through the years for sanctification, if they've even taught on it, as dung, and they'll have to if they weren't pointing exclusively to the sacrifice of Christ. If they would do that, then I'd be getting phone calls. Man, I'm understanding what you're understanding now, Brother Curtis. <laughs> Why don't you come preach for us? Praise God. Hallelujah. But not a one of them has called. Not a one of them has said, I see it now because they don't really believe it. They don't believe it. They think that their works are still getting them somewhere and they're not getting them anywhere because their faith is in the cross for salvation, but it's not in the cross for sanctification. And therefore, they won't count it all dung. They will cling to it. Paul had to let all that go. He had to begin to destroy that. And any preacher that's not willing to get up and say, I count it all dung, it was really a waste of all those years, were wasted years except for the people who were born again. Because outside of that, 
I didn't even know the answers how to tell people how to live for God. I just told them what the Bible says to do, not how the Bible says to do it. And again, all those people we were in ministry with, they don't agree with what we teach and preach. They're still teaching law. They're still teaching works. And I'm not being ugly. If they weren't, they'd, I'd be getting messages. I'd be getting phone calls. I see it. Brother Curtis, I see it. I, I got it. Praise God. And they'd be called, let's get together. Come preach for my congregation. But oh no. Oh no. They don't like certain people who are preaching it. There's the hypocritical part. They're still esteeming other ministers above the ones who are now preaching the message of the cross. Those are the same people that wouldn't have made it in David's day, nor Paul's day. They wouldn't have made it. They wouldn't have, if they're not following ministers of the cross today, they wouldn't have followed Paul in his day. So they take what Paul wrote and they kind of twist it around and use it for works instead of looking at what Paul, through, by the power of the Holy Spirit, was focused on Christ and what he did at Calvary, and they twist it. When they come back to the cross, a lot of them won't do it because they're afraid their wife won't like it or their husband won't like it. Well, those people can't be the disciple of Christ because they've allowed their family member to come in between. Jesus taught that, amen. Not being ugly, just being real today. It's time to get real. Our ministries won't be what they should be if we're not real. Our churches won't be what they should be if we don't just get real right up front, amen. Amen. That's what was happening here. Paul was just being real. Not going to let this go. Paul was being real. And sometimes we have to be corrected as preachers. Amen or oh me. The third one is the law is not a faith, Galatians 3.12. If I go back under the law, I can't live by faith. I can't do them both at the same time. I'm either under law or I'm under grace, and faith only works under faith. It don't work under law. Praise God. Paul clearly was speaking to Peter, who through fear and by his act of withdrawing from Gentile fellowship was returning to the law because you can't have it both ways. If you could have it both ways, Paul wouldn't have said a word. Oh, that's all right. Well, he's going back to enjoy that for a season now. No, if you go back to law, you move away from grace and grace. And, and let's, let's just talk about that for a minute this morning for the sake of those of you who don't go to Crossway Church and you don't hear the preaching here for the last four or five years. We have really, by the power and, and, the, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, has honed in on grace for us. And we've learned some powerful things that have just pushed confusion and, and doubt and I just don't know out the window. God's grace is God doing something good for you that you can't do yourself, but that you need done. I'm going to say that again. God's grace is something you need done that's good for you, but that you can't do yourself, and you really don't deserve for it to be done. Amen. We're saved by grace. God was in Christ reconciling sinners to himself. The book of Titus teaches us that we're taught by grace. Grace teaches us. Well, the Holy Spirit's the teacher, and He's God. So God's grace is God doing something that's good for us, that we need done, that we can't do ourselves, and we don't deserve to have done. But know this, my friend, God's grace is only found in the truth. God's grace is only found in the truth. Why is that? Because God's grace is God at work, and God only works in the truth, Psalms 33, 4. 
If we'll just come to grips. There's a lot of folks that say they believe the Bible, but when it comes right down to it, they just believe what little pieces they can use for their little law-abiding, transgressing ministries or lives they're living. If we're going to believe God's Word, when He brings revelation to the table, then if we don't eat that revelation and we don't receive that light that He is obviously showing us, then what light we have walked in will be taken away. And that's very scriptural, praise God. We can't function in both simultaneously at the same time, although the law and grace, but although we can go back and forth. But while we go back under the law, we become transgressors and we'll always experience Experience condemnation. Did you see that? Mm. Condemnation. Mm. Under the law, there's condemnation. There's a lot of Christians out there. I'd be willing to say the majority, almost all Christians, live in condemnation. Condemnation is not just, oh, I just ain't feeling good today, I'll never be anybody, uh, you know, and they're just condemning themselves. Condemnation can be taken place. It's a status. Condemnation is a status. Those people are out there working. They think they're the only ones that are right. My Lord, if you're not water baptized, you ain't going to heaven. If you've not done this, you're not going to heaven. If you're not, if you're not in our church, you're not going to heaven. And, man, they feel good about that. It's, it's, it's laws they've accepted used God's Word, twisted the letter that kills, and they're in condemnation even though they're not feeling it. Now, believe me, there are times that they feel it, but they're just confused because they don't know what it is. I used to be a Christian who was in a, in a ministry that I, there was just some things that just weren't right. I couldn't put my finger on it. But when the Word of God began to come back into my life as it is in truth, then the light would shine on all that and show that that's not right. A lot of you watching this broadcast are thinking, that I know what you're talking about, Brother Curtis. I'm, I'm in a church right now, and, and I've been in it for years. And I, there's just, man, always been just some things. I, I don't feel right about it. I just don't know what it is. I, I, but I, I just can't put my finger on it. But I know it's just not right. And then you begin to hear ministers preaching the truth of God's Word. And God, the Holy Spirit, begins to reveal to you it's not right. You just couldn't put your finger on it. You'd be confused because it just is not the truth being ministers of God's Word. And listen, you need to understand the truth of God's Word. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, When we receive, believe God's Word as it is in truth, it's when He effectually works that Word into our hearts. And let me say something about truth. It's a man named Jesus and what He did at Calvary. Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Ha-ha! <laughs> That's right. So what about Jesus, who claimed to be the truth, is what made us free from sin? What he did at Calvary. You cannot separate the two. No, he's not hanging on a cross. You can't separate the two. He's buried after the cross, dead and buried, but resurrected three days later. And you need to understand, there's only one thing God's given humanity as an object to put their faith in, and that's the sacrifice of Christ. Don't ever forget that. Verse 19 says, For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I want to give you some scriptures. You can write them down today. Talk about the law being pushed out. 
the law being abolished for righteousness. It's the law is pushed out because grace has come on the scene in the person of Jesus Christ. I'm just going to give them to you. You can look them up. Ephesians 2, 14 and 15. Colossians 2, 14 through 17. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 through 15. In Hebrews 7 and 11, and there are others, but these are, if you look these scriptures up, they'll help you to understand that when Jesus showed up, he tore, tore the wall down between what separated you from Gentile. He, he ripped the veil from top to bottom when Jesus died at, on Calvary's cross, revealing that, that he, he had come, yes, to save the lost sheep of Israel, but all he was doing was leading them out of the fold of law into the flock of grace. Did you understand what I just said? Uh, can we look at that? Let's turn over to the book of John. Chapter 10, in verse 16, starting with 15, John 10, 15. We talked a little bit about this Wednesday night. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Christ speaking of the cross, he would die on, the death he would provide for us. And other sheep I have. That ought to make you jump with joy if you're a child of God, because that's us he was speaking of. Other sheep. I have, which are not of this fold. They're not of the lost sheep of Israel. And that word fold there is a different word than the next one we'll come across. Watch this. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Those are two different words there. Those two words, fold, first one is different than the second one. The first one is really referring to the lost sheep of Israel in that fold they were in, that, that palace, that mansion you'll see when, the, when you look the word up, that, that uh, place. And he came for the lost sheep of Israel, the lost fold of Israel, and those that believed on his name, he led them out of Judaism. He led them out of the law and led them into one flock. God only has one flock. Jesus is the shepherd of one flock. And I praise God for that. I pray, and if you go back under the law, then you're, you, you, you've pushed the rod and the staff of the shepherd away, and you've gone and wandered out on your own. You won't have the green pastures to lay down in. You won't have the still waters to be led by. You won't have a table there where you're headed, where you are out from under grace to eat on in the presence of your enemies. You won't experience your cup running over. Oh, you might say you are, but hallelujah, we've learned about all this. Glory to God. There ain't nothing wrong with that as long as your faith is in the cross. But if your faith is in all the chills and the quivers and the shivers and the shakes and the quakes, hallelujah, then your faith is wrong. And you can think you're eating off the table of God and be eating dead. You can think you're laying down in green pastures and they're not green at all. You can think you're drinking of the still waters, but it's not the still waters you're drinking of at all. Listen, if you push that staff and that rod of the Lord away, and you do when you refuse grace, even though you're preaching grace, if it's not faith in the cross, you're really not preaching grace. Hallelujah. If it's faith in a confession, faith in anything, that's not grace. That's law, even in our deceitful hearts that 
the Bible says, are deceitfully wicked above all things. We need to understand, I can be deceived by my own heart. Don't tell somebody, follow the leading of their heart. The heart will lead them. We've got God's Word and the Holy Ghost. We, <coughs> we're not led and carried around by our hearts. If we are, we're going to be led astray because they're deceitfully wicked above all things. So we need to understand that. And the law executed Christ in my place. Did you get that? Christ came to die for me. Why? Because I was a lawbreaker. He kept the law in His perfect, sinless, spotless life and became my sin-bearing offering. It was the law that I couldn't keep. He died for me for. Did you understand that? So Christ died. Let's look at some scriptures here. Why don't we? Let's look over uh, another chapter to Galatians 4, chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law. Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law. He was made under the law, kept the whole law. Watch this, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. If Christ came and died to redeem me from under the law, why do I want to go back under it? The cross was to get me out from under the law and under grace which flowed right through the cross into my heart and life and saved me by my faith. Saved by grace through faith. That grace that Jesus tasted death by. Do you understand the Bible teaches that in Hebrews 2 and 9? That Jesus, by the grace of God, tasted death for all men. And it's only that grace that flows through the death he tasted of that grace that flows through the cross, what he his death for me, that I can have faith in, get that same grace that saves me by faith, and then I can say, surely I have tasted of the Lord and seen that He is goodness. What's the scripture say in the book of Psalms? Oh, taste. And see that the Lord is good. Hallelujah. And the only way that you can taste is through your tasting of the same death he tasted of. By grace. Hallelujah. By faith. Praise God. We were crucified with him. We'll get to that soon. The next verse, verse 20, we'll get to that soon. But we need to understand it was the law that executed Christ. Not that he didn't keep it. He was a perfect law keeper. I don't know where these people get these false accusations and trying to uh, uh, rewrite the Bible and twist Scripture. Peter wrote it's for their own destruction that say Jesus became a sinner. If Jesus would have become a sinner, then we'd all there wouldn't be any hope for us us and Jesus would still be locked up in Hades, hallelujah, because he would have been a sinner. He's the perfect, spotless Lamb of God, the one who obeyed the law, holy, never sinned. He was our spotless, sinless offering. And, 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 and the Bible is clear. It says that he came to redeem us that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. It was the law that executed Christ in my place. It was the law, it was the law that was nailed to the cross. He, in His death, He nailed everything that the law was to me contrary, that I couldn't keep it. 
and he died in my place so that I, in him, through faith in him, could become a law keeper. Amen. Not for righteousness, but because he made me righteousness. He that knew no sin became my sin offering, 2 Corinthians 5.21, that I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let's look at Romans, back up to the book of Romans chapter 8 today, and we'll see something really good here in Romans chapter 8. Watch this now. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation's removed when you're born again. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, I know folks say this wasn't written there in, in, in the initial writings of the Bible. But if you look at what, and even though that may be correct, if you look at what happened to Peter in this, what we're studying in Galatians, how he went back under the law and in the eyes of God became a transgressor until he repented and received the rebuke and came back under grace and began to walk in his liberty and freedom. Listen, if, let's read it. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That's legitimately in the Word of God. You need to understand that. I don't care if your note in your Bible says that wasn't in the original. It is, it is good enough to have made it right where it is. Because when you're born again, condemnation's gone because you, you've been saved by grace. And there's no condemnation under grace. Condemnation is only under the law because the law is a ministry of condemnation. Do you get that? And if you jump up and, like Peter, get away from those thinking, oh, well, I'm, you know, even in your confused and unassuredness and your, I don't care what you, lack of understanding, if you go back under law, condemnation is there. That's what's under law, condemnation. Death, a separation for the child of God to do what Peter did. He, remember, you go back under the law, it's a ministry of death and condemnation, and death is separation. Amen? Death is separation. Well, bless God, God will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. And we've quoted that, and we should. But here is the reality of the truth of God's Word. You can remove yourself from being affected and profited by Christ through grace. Galatians chapter 5, 1 through 4. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. You can remove yourself from Him by going back under law. didn't say you lose your soul. You remove yourself from Him. Now, there's a danger if you keep going that way. New Testament's full of it. You've got to twist Scripture's bad not to believe that you could lose your soul because if you're justified by faith, what are you if you have no longer faith? I'm not, I'm not the judge, but i got a Bible. Amen. I'm not the judge, but i got a Bible, and I judge righteous judgment, which means it's based on the Word of God. Amen? So when Peter jumped up, he runs back. He goes back under law. That's why Paul jumped up and, and reached for him with the truth of God's Word, the revelation he'd received of the cross and, and the law being done away with for righteousness. Nobody's justified by the law, he tells them all there. Amen. It's, I thank God that when we jump up and run back under law, somebody else jumps up over there and says, Hey, come back! 
Amen. That's what Paul was doing here. So when we see in Romans chapter 8, there's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, speaking of your position now. But now he moves into the condition who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That's added because if you walk after the flesh, which happens when you're under the law, then there's condemnation there. Watch this. Because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, we could preach two months, teach two months on just verse 2. The law of the Spirit of life is the only law that's powerful than the law of sin and death. And it's related to Christ and what He did at Calvary. Think about that. It tells it right there. For, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, has made me free from the law of sin and death. Where were we made free from the law of sin and death? Through our faith in what Christ did at Calvary. A new law trumped the old law of sin and death through the death of Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, hallelujah, praise God, has made me free. From that law I was born under of sin and death. Watch this. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. That means we couldn't keep it. Nobody has ever kept it. It's an impossibility to keep it. Christ is the only one who did. Therefore, our faith in Him allows God to see us as righteous. And if our faith stays there, we can be led in the path of righteousness. And don't forget, while we're passing through these Scriptures, and we're just teaching today that Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 reveal that the righteousness of God is only revealed in the gospel. Now think about that. The righteousness of God is only revealed in the gospel from faith to faith. So if the, I was saved and received the righteous standing and positionally uh, righteous in Christ Jesus in heavenly place. My position in Christ is one of righteousness. But the condition here, the experience of what my position is here, the condition here, my experience here, and, and there is one, my friend, because Thessalonians teaches us that we need to learn how to possess talks about condition, possess our vessels in sanctification and honor, the experience of that righteousness is not by my works, but by the works of Him who died for me and gave me the status and position of righteous in Him. Think about that. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He was not sinful flesh, but He was in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, because sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Amen. As an offering for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Through His body that was laid down for you and me, We've been delivered from the law. That Look at verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Do you see how he had to, he had to point back to Calvary? Because there's not even a fulfilling of it in us. Except through our faith in the cross. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Do you see the walk? 
Not the position, seated position in heavenly places. Think about that. The seated position, the walking position. The seated position, the status, the seated position. Seated, done deal. The walking position. We are to walk out who we are in Christ, who He is in us. We are not to walk that out. It is, Christianity is a walk. It's a, it's a race to be ran. Hallelujah. So let me read that verse 4 again. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh. That means the righteousness of God can't be seen if we're walking in the flesh and we are if our faith is in anything other than the cross. There is no mixture of the cross and the and eliminates faith from the cross. If that weren't the case, again, here we are with the understanding that Paul would have just sat there and let Peter go. Okay, he's got the cross, but it's okay. No, it wasn't okay. It's the cross alone. If it's not the cross alone, and this is why, my friend, we need, we need to know this. It's, it's the cross alone. If it's not faith in the cross alone, then what we're really telling God is that wasn't enough. Was Christ and what He did at Calvary enough? Those who teach you got to work your sanctification. you got to, instead of just, yes, listen, there are many works in Christ Jesus ordained for us to walk in them, Ephesians 2.10, but the Bible says we're His workmanship. It's the one He's got to be working in us and through us for that to happen, and all His works are done in truth. He effectually performs the truth in our hearts that we're believing, 1 Thessalonians 2.13 and Psalms 33.4. The Lord showed me something one of these uh, two or three days ago in my early morning studies in the book of Proverbs that I publish on my Facebook page every morning. Uh, Pastor Curtis is my Facebook page. Uh, request to be my friend, I'll add you, and you can follow along with us, me every morning. But the Lord in the seventh chapter of Proverbs tells us to uh, write the Word in our hearts to write His commandments and laws in our hearts. So when we see over in the, in the, in the book of Psalms about the Lord, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Well, first of all, the desires he, he gives us of our heart is based on our delighting in Him and because we're filling our heart with His Word. He will fulfill that word. See, it's not just a, a, a Lexus or a, a this or a that. He will meet your needs. Make no mistake about it. He gives us more than we ever need. Uh, most of what we got, we really don't need. But He's a good blessing God. And anything you need, if you'll get back in faith, you'll know that He's the one who provided it for you. But He tells us to fill our heart with His Word, to, to write His Word with our fingers on, on, in our hearts, to, to accept His Word, to, for His Word to be the, the apple of our eye. That means the most precious thing we have. And when, when we're allowing the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with the Word of God as it is in truth, He's going to give us the desires that are in our hearts. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. But this is something, this has really blessed me today in getting over here to Romans chapter 8. The law couldn't do it, so he had to send his son. So that the righteousness of the law might be not, not thrown out in the trash can, but fulfilled in us. The law is being fulfilled in those who have their faith in the cross 
and are walking in that simple childlike faith in the cross, teaching and preaching God's Word from Genesis to Revelation, Jesus Christ and Him crucified, the truth of God's Word that He desires oh so desperately to perform in your heart so that your, your life and your walk can be that of uh, 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 fulfilling the law, not by works, but by your faith in His one and perfect and complete work on that cross. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm believing that today while you listen to this little teaching, God touched something in your body, your mind. He healed something. He restored something. He re- redirected something. He was able to touch you in a way today that, that, that would allow him to do something greatly in your life, just like Peter being redirected, really not by Paul, just God used Paul, but it was the Lord uh, rebuking Peter, and Peter realizing that and receiving that rebuke so he could get back on track and be sure and not miss out on God's will for his life because under the law, it can't happen. It can't be experienced, only condemnation. And I thank God again for what he said today, what he's doing today and I'm expecting miracles and signs and wonders today just like Cornelius in his house who heard the gospel and before Peter could get through with his little message there they were saved filled with the spirit and began to speak in other tongues hallelujah until I see you next week I pray you have a week full of that right there learn the truth my friend God bless you I love you I'll see you next week